Hi everyone. As always, in between episodes, I get a chance to talk to Stella, our incredible editor. And I guess the last time we talked, Stella was performing in a music festival somewhere in Africa. Hi, Stella. How are you? Hi, how are you, Gordon? Good. Where are you now? I'm in the festival town. I'm in Kilifi in Kenya. It's on the coast. It's a really nice town. I live very close to the beach. It's hot. <laughs> But um, there's there's a lot of things to love about it. The food is the food is good. The fruits are fresh. Lots of juice. Fantastic. Sounds very different from when you were at UCSF doing your pharmacogenomics degree. Yeah, no, UCSF is very different. You know, environment totally. The weather was very you know it was cold. People don't expect it to be cold, but it's Northern California. Um, I hope you were staying dry. <laughs> Uh, yeah, well, yes, no, we're we're very wet, but we're getting drier. Um, so, what what's your next adventure? Are you going to like open a like a juice bar there or acupuncture studio or oh, something? Honestly, I do like juice. <laughs> so let me get back to you on that. Fantastic! I'm very jealous. So um, we had this great opportunity to talk to Monica Driscoll, who's a a, a colleague and and um, one of these people actually that, that really blends different ideas together about aging and has this neuroscience background, works in model organisms and but also works in interventions in aging and I, I thought it was a really interesting conversation. Yeah, I did so too and I think you also pointed out early on in the interview where Monica works on really interesting ideas that people have not looked on um, you know, f much in depth and so she's really at the forefront of a lot of things that she studies. Uh, you know, you know, one thing that obviously she's been interested in is the ways in which cells die. And uh, this is um, sometimes really beneficial, right? So cells die during development. They're supposed to die. They're, they're programmed to die. This is the, the, the mechanism of apoptosis. But then there's also different mechanisms by which cells die, and and she's been interested in in cell death through necrosis, a, a quite different um, mechanism actually. Yeah, and I don't think we talk about necrosis enough. It's mostly senescence, apoptosis, you know. But I I feel like that's something I was really interested in hearing about. Can you maybe talk about necrosis and how it relates to senescence and apoptosis and also aging? Yeah, well, you know, I'm no expert, <laughs> but we all know that, that, that cell death is, is a prominent component of, of aging and drives aging pathologies in, in different disease states. And I think there's been incredible interest in trying to define what really happens with cell fate. And this is something actually that, that Judy Campisi touched on as well, um, that, that we really need to understand the trajectory of cells during aging and whether what's happening to them is some sort of compensation for a nasty environment in which it may be a good thing to 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 lose a cell, cell death. Um, it may be a good thing to lock down a cell during like a senescent process where you have damage to the cell and you don't want that cell to divide because that's a sort of tumour progression mechanism. Um, or, or simply the loss of cells due to, to damage that, that is not programmed in any way. There's not like a specific mechanism. And that's what I think more about necrosis as being uh, cell death just simply due to generalized damage. 
And so, so teasing out those different mechanisms and those different trajectories of, of self-fate, I think is, uh, is going to be really, really interesting going forward. Exactly. And the key word is trajectories of self-fate. And, you know, that's how I think about it. It's how can we distinguish them from each other? How can we understand, you know, at what stage senescence helps, senescence helps us versus hurts us? And how can we use this for you know, studying, studying its rolling aging and also necrosis. Because I know about necrosis with certain conditions like diabetes, where um, there's like some portions of the skin that might be, you know, getting tissue damage. Um, but again, you know, you know, is this because of aging? Is this from the disease or is this a combination? And how can we potentially treat it to maybe reverse aging, slow it down? Yeah, no, still, that's really important. But how do you treat it? Like, you know, if, if you have these different trajectories of self-fate, then how do you intervene? And so there's obviously a lot of interest right now in synolytics that that potentially remove or kill senescent cells, which usually would be beneficial, not in all circumstances. We know senescent cells actually are beneficial, as Judy told us. Um, but but do we need different kinds of interventions for the different kinds of cell fate that that then then affect our, our pathology and our aging? Exactly. And another interesting thing that Monica looked at was C. elegans and, you know, using them as a way to study aging and I think muscle decomposition um, during aging. And it was really cool that she sent them to space. You know, I think it was a really interesting experiment. You know, I think I think a lot of people come to biology um, and studying these simple organisms. One of the most important things to think about is that if you're if you ask a complex problem, What's the simplest system that exhibits that problem that you can then, then study? You know, and that's why we studied genetics and bacteria and yeast and so on for, for decades. And so C. elegans is one of the simplest systems that you can study aging in. And I'm, I'm kind of amazed, actually. You know, here we are, like 30 years on from the first experiments. And, and today, still, C. elegans is, is like an engine of discovery of basic mechanisms of aging. And, and Monica was one of the first people to study exercise in the worm. And that's blooming. Lots of people are now studying exercise in this tiny little worm. Uh, they're, they're, they're forcing it to exercise. It gets exhausted, you know, and we're, we're, we're studying what, what the benefits are and what the detriments are. And, and usually it's benefits, right? You know, that the exercising these worms extends lifespan and improves pathology of aging diseases. Um, and that's incredible I, to, to be able to look down a microscope at a one millimeter sized organism and be learning some fundamental facts that could be applied to our or to human health, I think is is still amazing. So yeah, and and actually going back to going back to the space thing, this is also a blooming area uh, where people are really thinking about what happens in uh, microgravity situations that are relevant to aging. And there's a, a, a program here at the Buck Institute that's a, a, a space biology aging program uh, looking at changes in the immune system and, uh, and you know, and, and, and whether your microgravity accelerates aging in different ways and uh, what we're going to do about that. So it, it, it's fundamental biology on one hand, it's just learning about aging, but also you could really project into the future and say, well, how are we actually going to protect people who are in, you know, going to Mars and going further out there? Uh, are we going to actually think have to think about their aging 
as we 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 think about those programs. So I mean that's it's way out there, right? But it's super exciting. Yeah, exactly. And I think what was also interesting was where the observation was that there were differences between the different uh, species of C. elegans, where some had um, effects of aging and you know muscle deterioration, but some didn't. And so going into personalized medicine is especially in aging is something that I think we definitely need to stress while we study aging. Absolutely. And, you know, so the Cinerobditis, these tiny worms have enormous genetic diversity across the world. And so you can you can uh, find wild strains in every continent and they're very, very different from each other. And so but you can study them in the same way. And then you see these amazing differences in, as you say, like muscle decline. And um, there's a lot there's a lot to be learned there that we can apply to to humans. And it is really important. I mean, if you think about it, if, if you know, you come forward with a, a potential um, intervention in aging and you hope it's going to apply to everyone, well, chances are it's not. And, and I think we need to understand that. You know, we need to be able to identify people who are going to respond to different kinds of interventions in a positive way. Uh, so yeah, I, again, it's like showing, showing how important, like fundamental studies of simple biology, uh, might play out in the future and, and really, uh, really been important in human health. Mm -hmm. Yes. So for our final episode, who are we talking to? Oh, uh, we're talking to Arnie Akbar and, uh, Arnie's an immunologist and I, I, you know, this is one of the most amazing areas in aging right now where, and we've always known this is important, right? We know that inflammation is important in the pathology of lots of chronic disease. But this is really stepping up into a, a new era where people are beginning to understand the diversity of immune cells and their effects during aging, uh, both how aging affects immune cells and how the profile of immune cells affects aging pathology. So it's going to be super to talk to Arnie. Yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to hearing uh, Arna's perspective. Okay, Stella, great to talk to you, uh, and uh, I'll see you soon. Thanks, Gordon. See you soon. <laughs> <laughs>